You are listening to Claret and Blue, an Aston Villa podcast brought to you by Birmingham Live. Hello and welcome back to the Claret and Blue podcast. My name is John Townley and I'm joined today by our women's football expert, Hannah Pinnock, who covers the Midlands teams, obviously including Villa. So Hannah, how are you? I'm good, thank you. Nice to see you. Yeah, and you, you've just come out of the Villa press conference with Carla Ward and uh, different players as well. So Hannah's job basically is to cover Villa. She's been doing it for a few months now. So we thought we'll get her on and probably it's been a bit sort of, um, we should have done it earlier, I think, because Villa have obviously had a very good season so far and hopefully we'll catch it before the uh, season ends. But can you give us a quick lowdown of, for those who don't know, how Villa have done this season? Yeah, it's been hugely positive for them, I think. If you were to end the season now and they're fifth in the table, like you said, and in an FA Cup semi-final, I think they'd be quite happy with that. Obviously, like any season, there's been sort of highs and lows, probably a couple of results that that they'll look back on and won't be too happy with. I think you can probably put the defeat to Man United at Old Trafford in in that sort of category. And, and there was a defeat to, to Arsenal at Villa Park before Christmas as well. So there's a few in there, but... Other than that, I mean, since January at least, they've, they've been in fantastic form. I think they've only lost one game in all competitions in 2023, and that was against Arsenal in the Conti Cup quarterfinal. So there's been a couple of draws in there, but but predominantly wins. And it's it's funny because I think Carla's first press conference at the beginning of the season, she said, you know, we publicly to the media, we want top eight, which would have been steady progress in terms of, you know, where they've been since they've sort of come up to the WSL. But privately and it's since come out that they're actually one in top six and they're well on track to do that um they're fifth at the moment you know they they beat Everton and West Ham in the last sort of few weeks who are probably their closest contenders for fifth so yeah they are in fantastic form but obviously there's still plenty plenty of football to be played so where they're where they are at the end of the season we'll see but in terms of of where they are at the moment they'll they'll be very very pleased with it most fans will know Villa have come up Villa women have come up from the WSL a couple of seasons ago so to be where they are now as you said although the season hasn't ended but you'd like to think that they're going to sort of stick around in the position that they are in but to come up from uh, the championship and then not just surviving the WSL because you usually see a lot of teams come up and then struggle and Villa might have but they stayed in the division and then have kicked on so is that testament to how well the club is I suppose run how well they've adapted to the WSL as well now that they can not just you know beat the teams in and around them and survive but they can you know sort of compete amongst um, the best four teams in the division. The WSL is very much dominated by those four teams at the top in, in Chelsea, Arsenal and, and both of the Manchester clubs which you know all those teams are there on merit you know they, they've always sort of been maybe less so Man United because they've sort of like come up more recently but in terms of Chelsea and Arsenal especially they've always sort of been ahead of the curve in terms of women's football and you know they they've invested early and they are where they are on merit but from Villa's point of view you're absolutely right teams do struggle when they come up Villa did you know their first season they they were in a bit of a relegation fight they they were somewhat comfortable in the end but you know they, they were sort of in that bottom end of the table and even last season it, it's Obviously, it was Birmingham City that got relegated, so I'm sure Villa fans will be happy about that. But um, in that respect, it, you know, the fact that they are where they are now is hugely impressive. And I think for me, um, I might be alone in thinking this, but one of the things that has really impressed me about Villa this season is the injury list that they've had to contend with has been mammoth. I remember the game at Villa Park before Christmas against Arsenal and looking at the team sheet and it was like four players on it. I think Hannah Hampton had just come back from injury. Emily Gilnick was on the bench and probably still only half fit because she's been in and out with injuries. I think she's injured again now. 
um and then there was like two academy players and i'm just like that that's crazy when and then when you look at the depth of arsenal it's like that that's insane so villa have had huge amounts of injuries to contend with this season you know i think they've been quite lucky in the fact that and touch wood it's not really been you know their their big hitters in like rachel daly or, or kenza Dali, but you know carla has had to particularly before Christmas, before they added, you know, Jordan Nobbs and Lucy Staniforth to the mix, she was having to ask the same players to go again and again and again. And obviously that really sort of limits what you can do tactically and, and in terms of like changing things up in a game if it's getting away from you. So I personally think it, it's really impressive that they are where they are in the standings now, despite the fact that they've had to face a lot of challenges this season. So I think that's testament to, to both Kyle Ward and the squad, really. It's hard to sort of get over that and you wouldn't you sort of forgive the players for thinking, oh, you know, OK, well, we'll we can settle for, I don't know, being in the top half of the season or whatever it may be. But they've got a bit of a gap as well um, to the teams below them. So as as the men's, uh, the men's team does as well. But again, as you mentioned, the injuries, that is testament to not only how well they've done this season, but how well Kyle Ward's coped with those problems, those issues, and, and they've gone again. And to be the best of the rest is you know a, a top achievement and I suppose everyone else in the WSL looking at Villa and thinking oh that's how that's how you do it. Absolutely and I mean don't get me wrong like a lot of teams in the WSL have had injury concerns I just think Villa's has been exceptionally um, difficult and probably gone a little bit under the radar if, if that makes sense but yeah. I mean you do have to be extremely careful because you know Villa are as things stand sort of the best of the rest which is a hugely positive place to be in but it's 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 one thing to get there but it's another thing to stay there if that makes sense so that'll certainly be the challenge for them moving forward how are they going to do that is that just consistency of results carry on you know, as they're doing or, or a villa just having a very good season and then next season they might tail off over slightly i know no one wants that to happen but do you know what i mean is that a consistency thing is it just to keep the same results as they've been going um this season and into the next or is it uh are they overachieving is what i'm trying to say or is it Actually, Villa have got a very good uh, squad of players here. Carla Ward's done an exceptional job to develop them as well, and they're getting results. It's um, almost like a perfect sort of marriage between everything. Certainly, don't think they're overachieving. I think they absolutely deserve to be where they are, and it sort of has been steady progress for them. And I think Carla's done a fantastic job since she's come in. And you know, she has spoken a lot about they're not going to chuck money at it. They're not, you know, they're going to build, but they're going to do it in the right way and they're going to continue to build sustainably I think if they're to stay there I think really keeping their best players will be really important obviously kind of you know it you know when your team's doing well obviously everyone's sort of looking at them and obviously if there's certain players in there that are doing exceptionally well whether or not sort of the top four will sort of look at that and and want to poach a few hopefully that won't be the case and I think you know if if Villa can keep a hold of of their big hitters next season and keep consistency within the squad that'll be massive but you know you do have to be really careful because in the WSL it is a very small league and it's a very competitive league and things can change very quickly I mean when Spurs you know Spurs got promoted a few years ago as well and ever since they've been in the WSL they've pretty much been comfortably mid-table but this season they're in a relegation fight so it, it, it can just change just like that and you know as long as and I'm sure Villa won't because you know they are doing things in the right way and and you know they are one of the teams in the WSL that certainly are investing what they need to in their women's team so I'm confident that you know they'll they'll long be a WSL team and and 
that I'm sure that'll be the case. But in terms of staying where they are in the table, consistency in terms of the squad and the fact that Carla recently signed it or they extended her contract recently is is massive as well because it will keep that consistency. And if they keep building the way that they are, then then they should hopefully stay in that top six. We'll move on to, I suppose, the big hitters. One of the big hitters or the big hitter, I suppose, is Rachel Daly. She's been she's been on fire this season, hasn't she? She joined in the summer. Um, and yeah, how well has she done this campaign? How long have we got? <laughs> she is, yeah, I I love watching Rachel Daly. She is a fantastic, fantastic player. And it was quite funny in a press conference earlier, Carla actually got asked about the amount of goals that they scored this season because I think last season in the WSL they only scored 13 and they've scored double that already this season with like seven games to go, I think. So, and, and when she was asked about that, she simply just said, Rachel Daly scores goals. <laughs> and she does. She is fantastic. And, you know, she's up there in the golden boot race as, as well. And she has been all season. Um, I know Bunny Shaw's kind of, you know, Man City's Bunny Shaw's kind of gaining a little bit of headway now. But, I mean, Rachel Daly's certainly in the race. And she she's one of the best strikers in the league. I mean, she's, everyone talks about how amazing, you know, players like Sam Kerr and Alessia Russo are. But Rachel Daly scored more WSL goals than both of them not combined but she scored more than Sam Kerr she scored more than Alessia Russo she's absolutely fantastic and I think you cannot understate the importance of having a clinical goal scorer in your team and I think that's something that Villa have probably struggled with over the years and I've covered Villa on and off since they've been in the WSL and I remember that first season especially I think it was Stina Larson was was their striker and I think she scored maybe one goal at least in the WSL in her sort of whole time there and without sort of having that goal scorer that you can really rely on you're going into games and if you go a goal behind you're sort of thinking well, that's game over then because you can't really see where that goal where the goal's coming from that's completely not the case with Villa this season if Rachel Daly's on the pitch you always feel like something's going to happen like there is a sense of inevitability about her and she is just, you know, and she's not just scoring any goals. She's scoring big goals as well. I mean, she scored the winner against Manchester City on Sunday. She's she's stepping up in the big moments and she is an absolute delight to watch. How does it work in the WSL in terms of um, transfers and transfer interest? Because obviously in the men's game, if Villa have a striker who is, you know, one of the top scorers in the division, Liverpool, Man City, Man United, they're all, they're all all over it and obviously teams in Europe as well. So... How does it, or how has it worked in previous seasons, maybe in the WSO, in terms of top players playing for clubs who aren't in the top four or in the Champions League? How does that work? Let's say if a club come knocking, club comes knocking for Rachel Daly, will she be like, well, actually, I'm playing every game here. I'm in the England squad. I'm scoring goals, and I don't want to come to that club because I might not play as many games. And whereas in the men's game, they might be paid like double, triple the money. So, how does that sort of complex work in in the women's game? In many ways, it's the same because obviously players will want to play for clubs where you know they have an opportunity to win stuff. But game time is important as well. Obviously, you know it, it for Jordan Nobbs especially, it wouldn't have been an easy decision to leave Arsenal in January. But with the World Cup on the horizon, she kind of she had to um, because she needed game time. So that is certainly an element of it. A lot of players do want to play, obviously, um, and you know, where the wages aren't as big that, you know, they're probably less inclined to just sit on the bench and collect a paycheck. Do you know what I mean? But it operates in, in a similar way. If, if if a big club comes knocking for for players, they'll 
they'll go. Um, you know, it's something that Liverpool certainly struggled with in the WSL over the years. They had a lot of fantastic players and, you know, a fantastic squad they, when they won back-to-back league titles in, in 2013, 2014. Um, but then the bigger clubs come knocking and, and their players get taken. Um, so it, it very much does operate in the same way. But I think for the women's game especially, a lot of it, is down to the environment as well and obviously with any player you want to be comfortable where you're playing and, and you want to have a good relationship with the manager and, and with the squad and everything like that but I think it's more um, important in the the women's game because they haven't got those massive paychecks that the other well, that the men's game will have so they do want to be in an environment where they feel like they're developing where they feel like you know it's it's a positive place to be and I remember reading something a few years about a few years back when Liverpool get relegate got relegated it was a piece from the BBC I think it was written ages ago but something from that piece stuck with me about how like Liverpool might pay you more but you'll feel more you'll, you'll feel treated better at other clubs if that makes sense so I think Villa are probably in a positive place where you know the environment that Carter's created is a fantastic one and, and the players have you know sort of spoken very highly of it this season especially that it's a very together squad it's a very positive place to be so players will want to play for Villa um but again I mean the the money in the WSL in the women's game and the WSL isn't as much I think you know the most expensive WSL signing at least it was Beth England in January going um, from Chelsea to Tottenham. I think even that was only five hundred thousand. So um, yeah, the, it's it's different but similar in many ways. If that makes sense, that was a very like long winded answer to that. I think it's very interesting because a lot of obviously Villa fans who watch the men's game, there's a lot to not like in some ways. And it's sort of refreshing to know that players, at least in the women's game, or some of them anyway, prefer to be in different sort of environments and cultures that they prefer. You know, and, and in the men's game, it's very different. You know, if a top club comes in and it's almost like it's a done deal straight away and then they go there and spend three years of their career on the bench and then they go back somewhere else and it stagnates their career. So it is interesting. Who else has stood out for you in particular in the Villa squad? Obviously, Rachel Daly is scoring a lot of goals, but it's it's the whole squad. It's not just the 11 either, is it? So, yeah, who, who else um, get, get, gets the sort of Hannah Pinner honourable mention, I suppose? <laughs> I mean, you, you could probably name, like, the entire regular starting 11, to be honest, because they yeah. do you know tend to perform week in, week out. I think Kenza Daly has been absolutely fantastic for Villa this season as well. She's been a huge, huge signing and probably a very strong contender for signing of the season as well, probably along with Rachel. And I, get the, I think the partnership as well that she's sort of formed with Jordan Nobbs since they signed her in January, but also the link up with Rachel Daly as well. Like, you know, there's so many like positive relationships on the pitch and, you know, it's always telepathic. They know where each other are and it's just, you know, fantastic to watch. I think Kirsty Hansen as well has been brilliant. It's a shame it's only alone, but whether or not that can be made permanent, you never know. But I'm sure Man United will probably want to keep her as well. So, yeah, I mean, there's so many fantastic players and, you know, Rachel isn't the only player scoring goals. Kenza Darley scores goals. Kirsty Hansen scores goals. They've got goals in defence as well. It was it was Rachel Corsi who was playing at centre back on Sunday against Man City that that scored the header for for the opening goal in in that FA Cup game. So, you know they are starting to find goals all over the pitch, and you know there's so many players that you can give credit to. But 
just stepping away from Rachel Daly for me personally, just watching them, it would certainly be Kenza Daly who is is right up there. <laughs> if we go back to the sort of the culture elements, I thought that was interesting about Carla Warden. Yeah, Villa have had great results and whatever it may be, but if you sort of strip away and look deeper, it is probably that culture and that environment that she's built and is continuing to build that is so important, I suppose, to the Villa women's team. And that's, you say, not only why players might feel like they want to come to Villa over other clubs, but that also gets results. It it, it builds a mentality, doesn't it? And, a, and, you know, a positive place to be. I've been to the um, the women's sort of training campus at Bodymore Heath and it's, it is very positive. And yeah, Carla Ward has done a great job, but I think particularly the culture, as you say, that she's built, that's um, that's probably a sort of big tick next to her name. I mentioned it earlier, but it says a lot as well that the, the club have opted to extend their contract as well. So obviously, like I said, you know, that does keep that consistency. And, and she is a, pl- a manager that players want to play for. I mean, I know Jordan Nobbs needed to sort of complete that move for game time with the World Cup on the horizon. But at the same time, she doesn't just leave Arsenal for anyone. You know, Arsenal's a club that means a hell of a lot to her. She spent most of her career there. So that was, you know, probably a really tough, difficult move to make. But she wanted to come to Villa. You know, she felt like she'd get game time at Villa and she felt like she'd develop at Villa and, and you know, she'd be able to you know, play her game and impress Serena Wiegmann and hopefully get selected for that World Cup squad. And and that is testament. You know, I, I, I don't know for certain, but I imagine Carla will probably did play a huge, huge part in making that happen as well. So, you know, you've got really experienced, really high caliber level of players that that want to play for Carla Ward. And, you know, she gets a hell of hell of a lot out of their players as well and and I think she is a fantastic manager and obviously it's a team effort but obviously a lot of Villa's success this season can can be put down to her and, and the environment that she's created. It's almost looking forward a little bit more Our Villa sitting in fifth the best of the rest as, as such how hard is it for them to go a step further than that and obviously I think to be honest the step further is probably just consolidating that and being consistent season after season but Above that is obviously the top four who seem to be a bit insurmountable. Is it possible to break that or get close to it? Or is it a bit, um, yeah, a step too far, potentially? I mean, they are relatively close, really, when you when you think about it. But um, I think when I look at the table and you sort of like do look at the goals scored, for example, I think Villa have scored 27 this season, but that's only five behind Man City and maybe six behind Arsenal. Um, and then the team that scored the most after them is maybe Tottenham with 18, but that's because they had a mad result against Brighton that was like 9 0 or something. But in that respect, Villa, Villa are certainly scoring the goals, and, and I, I do think they're scoring the level of goals sort of that puts them not on a par, but like, you know, they're, they're scoring goals that really, you know, they could be competing with those top teams. But I think where they fall short slightly is the goals conceded. I think Man United and Arsenal have both conceded less than 10 goals this season. Um, whereas, you know, Chelsea and Man City have conceded like less than 20 and, and Villa are up on 25. And don't get me wrong, there's teams in the WSL that concede a hell of a lot more when you look at Brighton and Leicester. But in that respect, they're maybe scoring the goals that sort of puts them up there, but they're probably conceding a few too many. Um maybe sort of need to level that out a bit. But in terms of goal difference, there's only two teams outside of the top four that have a positive goal difference, and that's Villa and Everton. So, 
in that respect, what they are doing this season is is really, really impressive. And in terms of breaking into the top four, you, you never know. Like you, you've got to believe, otherwise, what, why are you here? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you know, everyone might as well just pack up and go home and let the top four compete every season. You know what I mean? So you, you've got to believe you can do it. Um, obviously, they are building sustainably, and and they aren't just going to chuck loads of money out to get there. Um, but I do think they are on an upward trajectory and they are going in the, in the right direction for sure but but like I said things can change ever so quickly in the WSL and, and you might be battling for top five one season and then you know you, you let standards slip slightly and suddenly you're in a relegation fight so yeah. you know it, it like I said earlier it's, it's one thing to get there but a huge other challenge to stay there so you know that'll be a huge huge challenge for them in seasons to come but as long as you're there or thereabouts if any of the top four sort of have a bit of a drop off or have an off season, then as long as you're there, you'll be there to capitalize on it, and and potentially that could happen. And it's the same with the men's game, really, isn't it? You know, if if teams like Liverpool have an off season and they're not in the top four, then other teams will be there to capitalize. So yeah, that's very similar in that respect. As we mentioned as well earlier, the cup, Villarreal didn't done too bad in the cup as well. I've seen the semi finals now, and we beat. Uh, or Villa, should I say, beat Man City in the uh, quarterfinal. That's some result. As, as we just said, like the top four is insurmountable. You can't get past it. Oh, well, I did. Um, but that proves that you can beat these teams. And I know it's a cup game, but it's just say because Villa score goals, they can win, you know, a game, um, sort of, uh, you know, an, an off game or whatever it may be. Um, and now we're in the semi-finals. It's a shame we got pulled out against Chelsea because I think, was it Brighton that were in the semis as well? With Was it Man United? I think um, so yeah, Chelsea will be a very tough game, but getting to a semi-final is, uh, again, testament to Carl Award, testament to the club and how far they've come over the last few years. Yeah, and it, you know, it was some game as well. Don't get me wrong, I was livid with Rachel Daly that it was six minutes into extra time because I'd covered Birmingham City in their quarter-final before that and had to go straight over and it was freezing cold. I was like, I want to be in my one car. But I was like, if you just scored that six minutes sooner, that would have been a huge help. And to be fair, Villa should have scored like literally with the last kick of the 90 minutes but it literally went like marginally wide uh, I can't remember who it was though um, but yeah I mean it, it was a fantastic game and and you know I think Carla said it in a press conference that it's probably the highlight of her her managerial, managerial career in terms of the way that they won that game the opponent and everything like that I think maybe if you'd ask Villa they'd probably want to play Man City <laughs> every week because I don't know what it is but they just seem to get results against Man City. They had in, the results at the start of the season, didn't they? Yeah, the 4-3 the win at Villa Park, and then yeah. they went away to Man City, I think it was in January, and got a 1-1 one, one, one draw. So I don't know if that sort of played a part in it, the fact that they have had big results against Man City already this season, that it gives them the confidence that they need. But also probably played a little bit in the back of the minds of Man City as well, that they know Villa aren't here to roll over. You know, it's going to be a tough fight. And... And that's exactly what it was. And Man City had their chances. And, and when everyone talks about sort of Bunny Shaw and, and Rachel Daly and the fight for the golden boot, but on that occasion, it was certainly Rachel Daly that came out on top and huge, huge achievement. The first time they've reached a semi-final. And I think when they've spoken about what their ambitions were for this season, it was to reach a, quarter, a cup quarter-final. They reached the quarter-finals of the Conti Cup. They got knocked out by Arsenal, but... They, they'd already reached the quarterfinal and now they've reached the quarterfinal of, of the FA Cup and they've gone that step further and, and reached the semi-finals as well. So, yeah, huge, huge achievement. And, and 
you never know. They could go that one step further. <laughs> My prediction is that we'll win the cup and finish in the top four. What's yours? <laughs> Looking long term, what is Villa's? Well, firstly, yeah, what are your predictions for this season? Although it's about to, let's say, about to end. We are in the sort of the final third. But what's Villa's long term plan? Is it to remain where they are and just keep competing? Almost like the men's team, I suppose. There's a you know, Villa as a football club of sort of lags behind in recent years and now there's a there's more of a um a positivity about it and with you know the men's team are trying to be in like European positions and the women's team are also trying to do the same thing I suppose kind of be the best of the rest but then in years to come why can't they be attached to a top five should we say and open that up a little bit so what what is Villa's thing what is their long-term plan with the women's team they could win the cup you never know um I think Chelsea is certainly the toughest draw they could have gone um, they probably would have preferred Brighton, let's be real, because I'm sure they would have preferred to come up against Chelsea in the final rather than the semi-finals. But, you know, never say never. It's a huge, huge test. And But essentially, I find it, I find it quite interesting the way that the fixtures kind of fall for that semi-final, especially because they play Chelsea next weekend in the WSL and then it's the international break and then it's the FA Cup semi-final. So... In terms of games that they play, they're essentially playing Chelsea back-to-back. And I always find that kind of dynamic quite interesting when you're coming up against the same team in quite quick succession. Um, And I think we kind of saw that when Chelsea played Arsenal in the FA Cup and then the Conti Cup final a week later. Two very different games and two very different results. So you never know. But also from Chelsea's perspective, a week after that FA Cup semi-final, they might have a Champions League semi-final. And for them, like, don't get me wrong, Emma Hayes is a serial winner and she'll want to win everything she possibly can. And Chelsea are the holders of of the FA Cup for a reason. But the one thing that's always evaded them is that Champions League. So they currently have a 1-0 lead over Lyon. And if they can get the job done at Stamford Bridge next week and potentially have a semi-final sort of lined up a week after that FA Cup semi-final, then... Don't get me wrong, they're absolute professionals. But if there's one or two sort of even the more inexperienced players in the squad that already sort of have their eye on that Champions League semi-final, because if they knock out the holders of the Champions League for them, they'll probably feel like it's their best opportunity to to finally win the one trophy that they've not won. Um, so if that even creates the slightest drop-off from Chelsea's point of view, I absolutely believe that Villa will be there to capitalise you know, even in the smallest of percentage, because for Villa, it'll be the biggest game of their careers. Do you know what I mean? Whereas Chelsea might have a Champions League semi-final a week later. So I might I might be re- reading way too into that, but I do think it is, you know, it, it players are human at the end of the day and the Champions League is the Champions League. And, you know, because that game comes literally a week later, some minds might already be on that. So that's probably one game to keep an eye on next week <laughs> is yeah. Chelsea semi-final quarterfinal and whether or not they do get it over the line against Leon. But in terms of, you know, general predictions, um, I I do think they are not nailed on, but I I'm pretty confident they'll they'll finish fifth. Um it, yep. at the very least it'll be top six, which is the in-house target that they've had all season. So that's a success. But long term, like you said, you know, I, I think they are probably the one team that you look at at the moment, at least, and think they probably are the closest to that sort of top four. And, you know, in terms of like closing the gap, as long as they keep doing that, then, 
you know, like you said, you can sort of maybe open that up to a top five almost. So, yeah, long term, as as Carla said many times, they'll keep building, but they'll build sustainably. And and uh, like you know, as long as they're they're there or thereabouts, then then who knows what can happen in football. I hope the viewers have taken lots of uh, lots of information off Hannah's uh, thirty minute uh podcast with us we will catch up with hannah before hopefully the end of the season if not at the end of the season i think it's really interesting Hannah, all the points she raised because a lot of fans of the men's team won't be as clued up with the women's team as i am as well so you've taught me at least 10 things in our 30 minute chat so thanks for that and we'll be back for another video shortly uh, dan is doing a lot of uh, work behind the scenes a lot of different videos short videos as well hopefully you enjoy this sort of longer form content as well and we'll be back soon so please leave a like rating and thank you up the villa thank you for listening to claret and blue and aston villa podcast if you enjoyed today's episode then please do let us know we love hearing your feedback we'll be back soon with another episode but until then up the villa up the villa